I invite you to keep your bulletins open to that same page because we're going to be working through and, and thinking about the gospel lesson today from Luke chapter 18, so you can find that on page 8 in your bulletins, and you can follow along as I speak about those verses and quote from them as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. For centuries, even millennia now, we have absolutely vilified this guy, the Pharisee, but, but maybe we've been a little bit too harsh. See, the fact of the matter is that you want to have Pharisees in your life. You really do. A Pharisee makes a very good neighbor. He's the type of guy that would help you shovel your snow or cut your lawn in the summer. You maybe might even want to have a Pharisee for a husband or a wife because they make very good spouses. A Pharisee would be a very good co-worker. They're the type of people that would even help you sharpen your pencils. You want to have Pharisees in your life. And Jesus helps us to see that. Listen to these details that he gives about how good and upright and nice a Pharisee really is. Here's how Jesus describes the parable in the Pharisee, the Pharisee in the parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Our dear friend, the Pharisee, is a nicer, better guy than you have ever imagined. He, he's the type of guy that goes to the temple, goes to church, we could say, not just once a week but twice a day. And he never does anything wrong, not, not, at, not outwardly at least. He doesn't steal from the, from the poor. In fact, he helps the poor and he gives to them very generously. He never cheats on his wife. In fact, the opposite of tr- is true of him. He's a very good husband. He's the kind of husband that never forgets his wife's birthday, takes his wife on dates, and And besides that, he's a very good father. He's the kind of father who puts his children on his lap and plays games with them and then teaches them the word of God. He's the kind of husband that that any wife would want to have. So when the Pharisee says this in the parable, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, he's right. He isn't like those other men. Not at all. In fact, this is what's true of him. He fasts twice a week, he says. Now, now the Bible demands of the Old Testament Israelites that they fast once a year. So he decided, I'm not going to fast just once a year. I'm going to fast twice a week on Monday and Thursday, he says. And the Bible says, give a tenth of whatever's in your fields. Give a tenth of whatever your income is. But the Pharisee... Jesus puts these words in his mouth. I give a tenth of all I get. 
He didn't give just a tenth of his income. He gave a tenth of everything that he gave. So if a friend took him out for lunch and bought him a burger for $10, he'd mark it down in his little, his little notebook and then give a dollar to church on Sunday because he gave a tenth of everything that he got. The Pharisee is someone that you want to have in your life, maybe as a church member, maybe as a spouse, or a neighbor, a co-worker. The Pharisee is better than, than you have ever imagined. On the other side of the coin, the tax collector is a worse man than you have ever imagined. Even today, nobody walks around at a dinner party at a dinner party saying, especially this time of year, by the way, I work in the fraud division of the IRS. Because somewhere deep down inside, we don't like tax collectors because they take our money. Multiply whatever you feel about the tax man today by 100, and you might start to understand how the Jewish people felt about tax collectors in Jesus' day. See, the Romans used tax collectors to keep the Jewish people in poverty and in submission to the Roman government. And so they would employ Jewish people to help keep the Jewish people poor enough so that they would never rebel. It was a type of slavery. And then these greedy, lecherous Jewish tax collectors would take advantage of these poor, poor Jews in this Roman tax collector. For all of these reasons, the Jews thought about tax collectors and they said about them, they are traitors to our nation. They betrayed our nation. For all of these reasons, they said about these Jewish tax collectors, they are greedy, lecherous people. For all of these reasons, they said about these people that they have denied their faith because they work day and night with Romans, with Gentiles, unclean people. To whom could we compare these people today who are the modern day tax collectors? Maybe think of greedy bankers, the people that were protested against after the great financial collapse in 2008-2009 who take advantage of the poor and give the poor even subprime loans only for their own personal benefit. Maybe think of someone like Bernie Madoff, who took advantage of of regular, everyday investors for his own personal profit. Maybe think of someone in Nazi Germany who helped the Nazis keep their own Jewish people in, in ghettos. Or or maybe think of the drug kingpin who addicts purposely teens to drugs so that they can be more powerful and more rich every day. And then maybe you're starting to understand what a tax collector was like in Roman times. Tax collectors are worse people than, than you have ever imagined. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He doesn't want you to identify with the tax collector. He doesn't want you to say, oh, that's me. I regularly betray my country. I regularly take advantage of the poor, taking their money for my own personal benefit. And and besides that, I deny my faith on an everyday basis. 
by going against God's law. Jesus doesn't want us to identify with these people. He wants us to identify with the Pharisee. And so he puts the Pharisee in a good light. Luke even says that this parable is directed to people who would identify with the Pharisee. And he introduces the parable in this way. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. See, he wants us to see the Pharisee in a good light. So while, while the tax collector is stealing from the poor, from his own people, we see the Pharisee giving very, very generously. While we see the tax collector denying his own faith, And working for and with the Gentiles, we see the Pharisee up in the temple praying. And and while we see the tax collector not caring about his family, not much anyway, and, and, and ruining their own reputation, we see the Pharisee never cheating on his wife and instead remembering her birthday. The Lord Jesus wants us to identify with the Pharisee. But he doesn't want us to just identify with the Pharisees' outward actions. He also wants us to identify with the Pharisees' attitude. In a way, this is going to sound shocking. In a way, it is very dangerous to live a moral life. It's dangerous because as sinners we can begin to think about ourselves I'm better than everybody else. I live a pretty good life. And we can begin to think it, maybe even say snippy little comments like like this, at least I'm not gay. Or we can say things like this, at least I'm not a part of that church. Or we can say things like this, at least... My life isn't a disaster like that person. Or we can begin to think, I can't be friends with her because because her life is like that. Or we can begin to even say, and maybe this has happened before, you walk out of church with your spouse and you think to yourself, boy, I'm glad the pastor preached about patience today. Because my husband really needed to hear that sermon. But the unfinished thought is this. But I didn't. Or we we could do it another way. I'm sure glad Bobby was in church today to hear this sermon about marriage. Because he really needed to hear it. But the unfinished statement is this. But it didn't really apply to my life. It is easy for us to point out the sins of society and everybody else and never look at ourselves and point the finger at ourselves and say, you know what, that's me. And so Jesus, he has a wake-up call for us. He wants us to understand that there is a Pharisee, a little Pharisee that lives in every single human heart that loves to look down on other people and give ourselves a pat on the back. 
has Jesus convicted you of being a Pharisee yet? If he hasn't, let me, let me share with you a study that the Barna Group did. And, and we can't go into all the details. You can just Google Pharisaic attitudes in the Christian church later and look for that Barna Group study. And you can study it as much as you want. But I'm just going to read some of the conclusions of this study about who is truly Christ-like today in attitude and action and who is truly like the Pharisee in attitude and action. This is what Barna discovered after doing their research. About one quarter, 23% of evangelicals, were Christ-like. Somewhat above the average, but they were the only group likely to be pharisaical in attitude, but Christ-like in action. Women were more likely to be Christ-like, 18%, than men, 9%. Liberal Christians outrank conservative Christians 22% to 8%. Now, no matter how you frame this, the vast majority of Christians today, according to the study, and it might be flawed, but it ought to cause us to do some introspection. The vast majority of Christians, whether they be liberal or conservative, whether they be women or men, are Pharisees. That's what the study says. Has Jesus pierced your heart yet? Have you begun to realize that there is a Pharisee living in your own heart? Here's my last ditch effort. If you still cannot see the Pharisee living in your heart, that's the proof right there. That there is a Pharisee living in your heart because you are looking so far down on the Pharisee that you can't believe you are one. Jesus is challenging us today to become the Pharisee in action and in attitude. And in that moment, he wants us to look down, not on everybody else but only on ourselves. Because in that moment, when you start to look down on yourself, you become the tax collector. And Jesus loves tax collectors. The tax collector in in this lesson, he, he offered a beautiful prayer. He said in our lesson, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The tax collector here, he's not just saying, God, feel badly for me. Have mercy on me. Feel badly. Have this feeling in your heart that there's something wrong with me. He's asking much more of God than that. He's saying, God, feel so badly about what I have done that you must do something about it, God. God, feel badly for me so that it leads you to make an offering on my, my behalf, Heavenly Father. Literally, it says, God, be propitious to me. And I know that's a big word, but what it means is this. He's asking God to make a sacrifice. And God has done that. Because God loves tax collectors. So he became an offering. Jesus became an offering on our behalf. And he was hung on a cross to stay God's hand of wrath 
and to take away our sins of pharisaical attitudes and actions. God loves tax collectors. And, and it's for this reason that Jesus say, and he could make this very shocking conclusion. I tell you this, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. He can make that conclusion. You are justified. You are right with God because Jesus Christ became an offering on the cross on our behalf. Because God answered the prayer of the tax collector. Be propitious to me, Lord. Jesus loves tax collectors. In just a few verses in Luke, maybe you can look at this in your small group Bible studies, Jesus runs into another tax collector. And his name is Zacchaeus. And Luke introduces Zacchaeus to us in this way. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. We all know that he was short, that Jesus met him when he was up in a tree, but maybe we don't even notice that he is a chief tax collector. So if the tax collector in the, in, in the parable is a type of guy who, who is greedy and, and, and lecherous, this is the chief greedy and lecherous person. And if this person had, in the parable has denied the faith by working with Gentiles all day and all night, then this is the chief guy who has denied his faith. But you know what? Jesus loves even chief tax collectors. So he said to Zacchaeus, get down out of the tree. I'm going to your house today. And then later he says, salvation has come to your house. And all the Pharisees, they were mad about it. So how can he hang out with sinners like that? I'll tell you what, he cares less about Pharisees and he loves tax collectors. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to watch a clip from the movie Son of God. We're going to see Jesus once again love a tax collector. And Jesus is going to do something that's going to make every single Pharisee in the whole world, even the Pharisee living in our hearts, upset. Because He's going to say to the worst of sinners, come and follow Me. It's a shocking thing for any Pharisee. But what a comforting thing for any tax collector. What a comforting thing. Because when Jesus calls to that tax collector, implicit in that call to discipleship is forgiveness. Jesus loves tax collectors. And He loves you and He loves me and every single tax collector that walks the face of the earth. He gives to us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. And we could go on because He has made propitiation for our sins. He's the friend of sinners. Amen.